0: to 20 years families have been changing their futures through financial peace university
1: i started it with a bad suit and overhead projector i set the room for 135 people four people came and now today we've had over one and a half million families go through this course that's over two million people across this nation
0: you may be wondering what is
1: it what financial peace university is about is a return to god's ways of handling money but in a very practical step-by-step game plan showing you exactly how to do it.
0: FPU is about learning how to control your money.
1: When you make these dollars behave, you're going to get this sense of power over your money that you've never, ever had. Don't move into a home with 62 debts or six debts or or two debts and no money. You move into a home broke with a bunch of debt around your neck, Murphy will move in your spare bedroom, bring his three cousins broke, desperate and stupid.
0: Marriages are being made stronger. Couples are learning how to talk to each other about money and getting on the same page.
1: The closest statistical correlation to success going through this program are those that actively engage in this budgeting process, and for those that are married, they're doing it together. You change your life when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. When you get disgusted and you have that moment where you say, i had it, I'm not going to live like this anymore, we're done, we're changing this thing. Talk about the why, talk about your dreams, ask your spouse. What would we do? Where would we travel to? What would we buy? What would be changed if we became something as a couple where we were working together on that? Now, man, I'm sure you know this, and we've been talking about it for the last few minutes, but it's very true. Women are different, aren't they? Say yes. One of the things you may or may not know is they have a gland right in here that you don't have. It's called the security gland. And when she is feeling insecure due to money issues that gland spasms and it is attached to her face
0: this nine lesson 90 minute class will challenge you
1: now this is a boot camp I'm your coach and so I'm gonna I'm gonna make you uncomfortable sometimes you're gonna go home and go I don't really like him tonight now if I agree with that which would make you wrong (laughs) that's what happens when the coach coaches you doesn't it? he kind of rubs you the wrong way there's a little friction on there right I've had some good coaches, and they lit me up a time or two, but it caused me to go places I couldn't go otherwise.
0: Life change is never easy, but you won't be alone. You'll watch a DVD each week and discuss it with your small group. Your classmates will encourage you and help you take those first steps. You'll walk away from FPU knowing how to relate with money. You'll learn how to pay off debt and save for the future. And you'll learn how to protect your plan. We aren't born knowing everything we need to about money. We learn, and there's no better place to learn than the Word. The Bible offers more than 800 scriptures on money, and Financial Peace University is based on that solid foundation.
1: You are literally going to be doing things every week differently than you ever have based on biblical principles. Things like doing a budget, things like working with your spouse, things like singles having an accountability partner, things like teaching your kids so that a godly man leaves an inheritance to his children 's children it's not theory this is actual application on everything. What would happen if the people of God started handling money god 's ways? what would happen if the what would happen to the kingdom of God if the people of God were out of debt?
0: all you need is a plan. Financial Peace University is that plan.
2: Dave is a great teacher. I've seen him in person many times. Um, Five or six years ago, we went through this as a church. This is all completely new material, Um, so they've redone it. It's now a nine-week course instead of a 13-week course. Um, But one of the things that he says that's one of my favorites, if you listen to his radio show, it comes on, um, what's our 95... Point seven is that local here it comes on at five o'clock 95.7 every day and one of the things he says at the end of each show is You can't really have financial peace until you know the prince of peace and he tells you about jesus christ And so everything he does is based on biblical principles very very practical stuff So if you're interested in that need some more information catch me afterwards and and we'll talk some more about that We're finishing our series today on lost and I kind of want to just walk through A quick reminder of our journey We found out in week one that Jesus said more about money. You know, Dave just told you, 800 verses uh, on money in the scripture. Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven, hell, salvation, and faith combined. Just the sheer amount of Jesus' teaching ought to tell us that we should be careful with money. But when we really started examining his teachings, we found out some surprising things. Week one, we learned that you cannot be a fully devoted follower of Christ and stay lost financially. It's impossible. At some point, if you're going to call Jesus your Lord, if he's your boss, at some point you've got to allow him to mess with your money. And there's a reason he wants to mess with your money, and he said it. Jesus said it in Matthew 6, 21. Your heart will be where your treasure is. And so Jesus is telling us, this next thing that's on your listening guide, the number one competition for your heart is money. Jesus knows that his competition is stuff. And Jesus doesn't want your money. What he wants is your heart. But he said that our hearts and our money are tied together, and all you have to do to figure out what's important to somebody is follow the money trail. And and when you find out where a person's money is going, your emotions, your heart, your feelings always follow your money. The next week we uh, examined a parable that Jesus told that has this really startling ending. It was the parable of the shrewd money manager. And the shrewd money manager kind of rips off his... his, uh, Uh, his boss, and you think that Jesus is going to nail him for that. Jesus does not commend his dishonesty. Jesus said, this guy had two things, and it's the same thing that you and I have. And he said, we need to be wise with those two things. And you have it on your listening guide. He had a little bit of time and a little bit of opportunity to make a better future for himself and for his family. And so... Jesus says that the whole point of this story is we need to look at our time and our opportunity and we need to ask, how can this make the biggest impact on my future and on God's kingdom's future? Look around at your temporary stuff and you ask, what can my temporary stuff, what can I use it for to impact the kingdom of God uh, for eternity? And then the last two weeks we discovered... <clears throat> excuse me, somebody may have to get me a drink. <coughs> That's awesome on the tape when it just goes like that. Um, the last two weeks we discovered that discontentment is an appetite that never is never fully or finally satisfied. In fact, we learned that any appetite you feed, including discontentment, it grows. So the only way that we'll ever defeat discontentment is, is to become generous. Um, I was listening to a preacher this week, and he was talking about a man in his church who is rich. I mean, you know, we're all rich compared to the folks in Haiti, but this guy was rich. I mean, filthy, stinking rich. Thank you. You're the man. Uh, he, was, he was filthy rich, and this, this um, Christian movie team came to him to, to ask about financing. They needed some money for their project. And it was a very worthy project, and, and I don't know which movie it was, uh, but it was one of the big ones, you know, like Courageous, something like that. It was one of those. And this team comes to this man because he could write a check, he could have financed the entire project and never missed the money. And so they made the whole spiel to him, the pastor's sitting there with him, and and this, this rich man is just kind of hesitant to, to pull the trigger. And so finally at the end of the meeting, when it's time, you know, to either get the money or leave, the, the movie-making team said, Can you tell us why you're reluctant to fund our project? And he goes, come with me. Takes him in another room. And in this room, there's this big map, world map on the wall. And there's pushpins at various locations around the world. And he said, see those pushpins? Those represent missionaries that I'm funding. And he said, I never make a financial decision without asking, do those missionaries have everything they need? Why am I reluctant? Because they come first. Now, I don't know if he ever financed this this project or not, but what I do know is he has learned a valuable lesson that we're money managers. Remember we talked about this. God could take everything you have anytime he wants. That's not the issue. What he really wants is your heart. And so this guy had learned, the next thing we talked about was that generosity bridles discontentment. And the only way we'll ever become generous is to get off the bad financial roadmap and get on God's roadmap. And I can promise you, you will never get lost following God's principles about money. It's what J- Dave Ramsey's is going to teach. Now today, I want to challenge you. A lot of people wrote on their cards last week that I want to follow God's roadmap financially. Today, I want you to move from theory into practice. We're going to talk about some very practical decisions that you need to make, that if you'll make these decisions, you will not get lost financially. But, but I just got to remind you, nothing worthwhile ever happens until you decide you're going to do it. You don't get in shape physically until you say, I'm going to start working out, and you start on a certain date, and you go through the soreness and all of that stuff. You just draw a line in the sand, you say, I'm going to do it. You don't go on a vacation until you start making some plans. You don't fast and pray until you start making some decisions about that. You don't improve your relationship with your spouse or your family until you make some decisions. You decide first, and then you follow through with those decisions. So I'm going to challenge you today to make these decisions. Now, God's way we've talked about for weeks, is the wise way and I want you to see what Proverbs 28:26 says specifically. He who trusts in his own heart is a but he who walks wisely will be delivered. The Bible says when you ignore wisdom you're a fool. And so we've talked about this before. There is a question that you can ask before any decision, whether it's a relationship decision, whether it's a financial decision, whether it's a spiritual decision. There is a question that you can ask that will give you the right types of answers. And that question is, what is the wise thing to do? And let me tell you how you practically apply that to your wife. Uh, wife, <laughs> Man, finances and wife. Sometimes that just slips out there. Um, to your life. Um, Here's how you apply it. You ask, considering my past what is the wise thing for me to do financially? If you have gone into debt or if you've struggled with, with debt in the past, what is the wise thing for you to do right now considering your track record? Is it wise to go out and buy a bunch of stuff on credit? It is, is it wise to do those types of things? Second question is, considering my current situation, where I am right now, what is the wise thing to do? Where I am in my debt program, where I am in my budget, in my planning, what, what is the wise thing to do? Is it wise to go and pile on more debt where I am right now and then, the third question is: Considering all my future goals, my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Now, the world will tell you: Forget that. Who cares what you were in the past? Live for today. Don't worry about it. We'll give you, we'll give you eight thousand payments at no interest. But if you don't make all those on time, guess what? We're going to take you to the cleaners. Don't worry about it. Live in the moment. And here's what I want to ask you: Why in the world would we take our financial cues? from a world system that wants something from us but doesn't give a rip about giving anything to us or for us. They want something from us, but they, won't, they don't want anything for us. In Scripture, we find out that God wants us to call Him Heavenly Father. And I know that some of us struggle with our whole Father image, but God is a God that can be trusted. He's a Father that can be trusted. In the Old Testament, it says, He will become a Father to the fatherless. He's a God that can be trusted, a Father that can be trusted. And in every area of your life, your Heavenly Father, including finances, including relationships, business, everything, every area of your life, your Heavenly Father wants something for you. And He doesn't need anything from you. So why don't we start taking our cues from Him instead of a world system that only wants something from us? Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six says, when we do our thing, we get lost financially. But the other side of that is, when we ask those wise questions, we're delivered from a world of heartache. If you need some deliverance financially, then maybe you need to make some decisions today. If you make these decisions consistently, you'll move from being lost to having peace and contentment financially. And really, isn't that what everybody wants? Let's look at these four decisions that you need to make. First, choose a percentage of your income on which to live. This is going to be a very practical message today where we're, we're putting everything from the last five weeks onto today. Here are the decisions you need, you need to make. Choose a percentage of your income on which to live. Now, let me tell you this. I don't know everybody who's here today, but I do know three things about everybody in the room. Let me tell you what three things I know. Everybody in the room is living on a percentage of your income. You're all living on a percentage. Most of you, second, don't know what that percentage is. And three, if most of you stay right where you are financially, continue doing the same things that you're going to do, you will never be the person God wants you to be, and you will never accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. You cannot stay where you are. And this is true in any area of your life. You cannot stay where you are and travel with God at the same time. God reveals himself to you, not for your information. He reveals himself to you for your transformation. That's the reason the Bible was given to us. Not to inform us, but to transform us. So you can't stay where you are and go with God at the same time. You're going to have to choose which way you're going to live. If God's ways lead to financial peace, and they lead to margin, and you have no margin, guess what? You're at odds with God. You're actually robbing God and you're robbing yourself. Now, let me tell you, the problem is never your income. The problem is always lifestyle. So if you'll decide right now to adjust your lifestyle and live on less than you make, you'll begin creating margin. And, and as the, this, is, this is your income. This is your lifestyle. As margin increases, guess what happens? Your stress level goes down. As margin decreases, what happens? Your stress level goes up. So here's the thing, when, when we have our income level here and our lifestyle here, the difference, you know what that's called? Peace. It's called wisdom. It's called margin. And watch this, as your income goes up, your lifestyle can too. But here's the beauty, as your income goes down, your lifestyle doesn't necessarily have to if you've got enough margin if you've got enough peace. Does this make sense to anybody? Okay. If you have no margin, the space between your income and your lifestyle, or worse, if, you are, if you're spending more than you make, that's called stress. Show me a couple whose lifestyle is up here and their income is down here, and I'll show you a couple who fights about money a lot. Show me the opposite. Show me somebody whose income level is here and their lifestyle is here and I'll show you a couple who never fight about money ever because they have peace, they have margin. And so if money is a hot button issue in your family, maybe you should pay attention today. I want you to look at this quote, put it up on the screen. This is from Andy Stanley. I want you to agree or disagree. It is more fun to choose what I will not own than to own what I cannot afford. How many agree with that? Uh uh-huh yeah okay let me tell you very practically just leave that up there for a minute miriam practically how you can apply this today when you walk out uh and you're walking to your tired worn out piece of junk car that smells like family and you walk by somebody's brand spanking new shiny thing say to yourself i could do that but i choose not to Now, now don't do it with pride Don't look down on somebody because their car is nicer than yours, because their car is nicer than yours, okay? You know, don't look down on them for that. But those of you whose cars are nicer than some of the rest of us, don't you look down on us either. Simply say, I choose not to spend my money that way. What do we say a lot of times? We say, I can't afford it. What do you tell your children? Kids, we want to do this. I can't afford it. We can't afford it. We're poor. We can't afford it. Instead, say, we choose not to spend our money that way and have a plan for the future, I've never heard a couple say, you know our problem? The problem in our marriage is we don't spend enough money. We used to shop. Now we just don't shop anymore. We've drifted apart. I've never heard that one. (laughs) Come on. This stuff works. Here's the thing I'm going to tell you. Whether you're a Christ follower or you're an atheist or you're somewhere in between, the principles of God work because they're true. I double dog dare you to try them, whatever your relationship is with Christ, because he will steer you right. They will will work if you follow them. Why not make a wise choice to live on a percentage right now? You're already living on a percentage. Why don't you choose that percentage? Number two, track your spending. Now, many people hate the word budget. Doesn't even sound fun coming out of the mouth, does it? Budget, Right? So what we talk about in financial peace is a spending plan. It's telling your money to go rather than wondering where it went at the end of the month. We try to spend every dollar on paper before we receive it so that we know where it's going to go. When you're on a spending plan, it's wise. Instead of going, what happened? Don't raise your hand. You've gotten to the end of the month. Or the end of the year when you do your taxes and you see how much money, you know, your adjusted gross income, you see your, your first the income and you're like, I made that much? What happened to it? Right? If you've ever asked that, then you're lost financially. And, and let me just ask you this. If you were a manager at a bank, would you hire someone like you to handle your money? If you were to come into $250,000 today, you know, we're not playing the lottery, but one blows up here, this is how I'm going to win. One blows up here on the, on the parking lot, and y'all miss it, and it comes to me. That's, it's going to have to be from God, right? If y'all, all y'all miss the card. So I pick it up, and I win $250,000, but you win it. You, you get there before me. You get $250,000 today. Would you hire somebody with your financial habits to handle your $250,000? But let's make it even more practical. If if you make only twenty five thousand dollars a year over the next ten years, how much money has gone through your hands? A quarter million dollars. And most of us are going to get to the end of those ten years and we're gonna go, What happened to it? Now, if you were following God's principles, and I know of a man who did this on eight thousand dollars a year, retired a millionaire. His wife died, and he wasn't sure how much money he had, and he went to Ron Blue, who, who uh, he's passed away now, but he used to be a Christian financial planner, went to him, and, and the dude had $1.6 million saved up on an $8,000 a year salary, and Ron goes, how'd you do it? And he goes, I just spent less than I made, and I did it for a long time. It's possible. If if you manage $25,000 a year God's way, 10 years from now, you will have given $25,000 to the kingdom of God. Do you think God would say, Man, that's nice. And you would have $25,000 in savings. Would that be pretty cool? Would you, would you feel a little less stressed financially if you had twenty-five dollars in savings? Well, It's just real easy. You do the math. But I think most people are going to get 10 years down the road and they're going to go, Where did all that money go? I have nothing to show for it. I've never heard anybody say, Man... I wish I had not started tracking my money. Worst decision I ever made was to pay attention to where it all goes. I hadn't heard that one. Number three, third decision is get rid of dumb debt. Now, I love the way Dave Ramsey says it. He calls it stupid tax. He said all of us have to pay stupid tax, and that's when we're paying on things that we either no longer own or we owe more than what it's worth. Um, five or six years ago when we did our financial peace class, the first one here, we had 24 families go through this. And so we decided to find out how much unsecured debt that we had. Unsecured debt is debt that if the bank, if you default on a loan, the bank doesn't have anything they can come get from you. They can't repossess, you know, a pack of cigarettes. They can't repossess the the stake you had at at El Toro. They can't repossess those types of things. So anything that's not growing in value um, is an unsecured debt. Student loans, you know, Furniture, all these different things. We found out from those 24 families, we had $375,000 in unsecured debt. That's not talking about houses. That's not talking about cars. That's talking about unsecured debt that nobody can come and repossess. And so we did the math, and, and that was about $16,000 per family that was coming to Financial Peace University. And, and we scratched our heads and we said, is that wise to have that much unsecured debt? Some people in our groups owed more in credit card debt than they owed on their houses. Is, is that wise? Stupid tax, money that we're paying on anything that's depreciating. Now, cars and houses and, and TVs and stereos and meals and furniture, those things aren't bad. It's just bad when you buy them on credit. Do things God's way and you start paying in cash and that seems to be a wiser way to go. Now, this next verse has carried us all the way through this series. Proverbs 22, 7 says this. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. Paying your stupid tax or getting rid of dumb debt as quickly as possible allows you to be free from owing somebody something else. And and I want to ask you, why do you want to be a slave to somebody that doesn't even know your name? Call your credit card company today. And what's the first thing they're going to ask for? Could I have your account number. They don't want your name. You're a number to them. They don't give a rip what your name is. I mean, they will say, and who am I talking to? Uh, you're talking to. You just read the name at the top of the list. They want to know the number. And, and uh, you're not a person to them. And I, I think that you're like me, that if you are in debt, you feel personally a responsibility to repay that debt. Do you know what the credit card company or some other loan company, you know what they feel about you and your debt personally? Nothing. They don't care. They just want you to pay them back. Why be it servant to someone who wants something from you? And, and we've, we've learned through this whole thing is that God gets, God loves it and he gets involved when you get serious about your debt. Janie and I, several years ago, we had some debt. And so we scraped up and we, we got rid of some certain things. We were paying $650 through this whole Dave Ramsey thing, $650 a month just to get out of debt. And it, it, and it snowballed and we were able to pay that off in a couple of years. We owed about $11,000. We were able to, to get rid of all of that debt and we really sucked it up. And God gets involved when you get serious. When you say to God, I don't want to have any other master, I don't want to be servant to anyone but you, God shows up and he does some incredible things. And so I want you to imagine if the people of God, if we did finances God's way, if we were really serious about that, what if the people of God were known for being debt-free instead of being just like everybody else? What if the people of God were known for financial wisdom Now, I know some of you are sitting out there and you're going, my debt is no one's business. Yes, it is. It's big business. People already know exactly how much you owe and they hope you'll never pay it off. In fact, if you never pay it off, they'll probably send you another credit card for being such a good customer. Your bank knows exactly how much you owe. Your credit card company knows exactly to the penny how much you owe, at least how much that number owes Face it, being private with your decisions is what got you into this mess in the first place. If you'd gone to wise people before and said, hey, what do you think about this? Probably they'd have gone, ooh, I think that's a bad idea. See, in in this worship center, you make... Private decisions. We talk about you can worship in a crowd, but you can't fellowship in a crowd. The only public decision that's ever made in here is if we sometimes give a testimony or when we do baptism, you're making a public profession, letting everybody know that you are a Christ follower when you're baptized. But the rest of the decisions you make in here are private. You may write it on a card, but that's between me, you, and God. Where you go public is in small groups. And and (laughs) maybe you need to let somebody in on your debt situation. And some of you are like, oh, no. Well, here's why you should do that. If you'll let wise people into your life now, you'll make better decisions in the future. And I'm not talking about you stand up here and you proclaim it to everybody. We're not going to put it up on the screen. We don't do that type of stuff. But you need somebody you can trust. And one of the things he talks about is singles. Singles. You need an accountability partner. If you're not married and you can't bounce that off your spouse, you know, the things that the impulse buyers, he's going to talk about all kinds of different buying styles and you'll figure out which one you are and he's going to tell you singles that you need to have an accountability partner, somebody that that will help you make wise financial decisions. If you'd gone public with your debt sooner, I, I kind of figure you probably wouldn't be in the mess that you're in today. Go public as soon as possible. Number four is give first, save second, and live on the rest. I think this is the third or fourth time I've said this. Give first, save second, live on the rest. If you want to invite the God of the universe to be involved in your finances, the first check that you need to write should be to his kingdom. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what Financial Peace University is going to teach you. And and some of you are going, but I don't write checks. Well, guess what? We now offer online giving. So it's real simple, and, and by the way, um, just going to tell you this again. Whether you give or not doesn't impact my salary, so I don't get a, this, this huge um, raise if you guys decide to give. I know that's right, <laughs> it comes from one of the board members. Um, but the kingdom of God is funded, and, and we're able to do some things like our children's ministry and our youth ministry and things like that because we have to pay bills. Um, but here's what you do. I did this this week with my uh, mowing... Um, business. Whenever I, the first thing I would do is I would get my checks. I'd make my deposit slip. And before I even went to the bank, I would write out my check and I would put it um, in the box to to come up here and and put in our, um, in our joy basket. So I was wondering if you catch that. So uh, what I did this week is I went online and you can register. And here's the thing you, first time you go in, it'll say either sign in or uh, log in or register. You register, you just put your basic information. You're not putting all of the, all of the credit card. By the way, we don't do credit cards. We only do debit. We don't want you, um, we just have an issue with that. We're not going to take your credit card. We will take a debit card because it has to be in there for it to be transferred. So, um, but you go in, you log in, you register, and then it's real simple. It's how much money do you want to transfer, and then it'll ask, is it a recurring um, amount? With my mowing business, it's different every time. With my, with my salary from the church, that's the same. And so we will tithe off that. We'll get that going online. And that will be a recurring thing uh, every couple of weeks. But with my mowing business, it's different every time. And so I, I put in there, no, it's not recurring. And I put the amount. And then you put in the debit card that you want to use. And, and there's four funds that you can put it to. You can put it to tithes and offerings. You can put it to Haiti. Um, you can put it to the bagel fund. Building a great life and benevolence. The other one's benevolence. Um, if, you, if you want to give to uh, somebody who's in need, you can do that online. Now, I just tell you that because, and I'm being totally honest here, I don't know how many times I've had people come by the, the basket back there and they'd say, oh man, I forgot my checkbook. Or if they give cash, actually cash is, is kind of dangerous to give. Um, I've known churches that have been robbed. In fact, I read of one this week that, that was robbed. And so we would actually, we, we don't mind cash, we're not going to tell you that, um, but, but if you could do something in paper form or online, we don't ever have an issue with that. So I didn't tell Janie that I set mine up and I did it this week, and then she gets an email because she's the, the financial secretary, and she said, did you give? And I said, yes, ma'am, I did. And then I get a, an email as well saying you gave this amount, and so you have a record of that. So anyway, that's the reason I'm telling you that, is when you give off the top, that's what God says to do. Second thing you're going to learn, uh, the second check is to you. In Financial Peace University, you, you pay God first, you pay yourself second. You get a $1,000 emergency fund. That's the first thing you're going to do. You're going to work on a debt snowball, and all that means is if you've got 10 debts, you take the smallest debt, you pay the minimum on these, you take the smallest debt, you pay as much as you can. Once that one's paid off, you roll that into the next debt. The snowball effect starts going on. And it may seem like years, but it starts chopping down to months that, that uh, it'll take you to get out of credit card debt. And so the third step then, after you get out of debt, is you begin working on three to six months living expenses. And some of you are going, there's no way. But what would it do for your family, for your Um, your heartbeat, your blood pressure if you had in a separate account not in your regular checking if you had in a separate account three to six months living expenses that means whatever you pay monthly on your house, everything, add it all up three to six months, would you have would you have peace or would you have stress? Peace, right so if you want peace, you've got to do things God's way and then you live on the rest can I let you in on a little secret you do not go broke following this method Doesn't happen. Because you pay God, God gets involved. The God of the universe gets involved in your finances. You pay yourself and you're ready for emergencies in the future. You make uh, ready for different things that are going to come down the road. And then, you know, it says a wise man provides for future generations. So we all want to be wise men and women. And when you follow this method, giving first, you're imitating God because God looked at you. And he saw that you were dead in sin and you were bound for a life in hell separated from him. And the Bible says in, in John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he gave. God gave first. And so when you say others first, you're imitating God. God, The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he gave first before any of us ever thought about asking for forgiveness. God gave first. And when you do this method, it says others first. It's going to break this whole cycle of discontentment, and you're going to learn to be more generous. Now, one of the best things you can do is teach your children this. My kids had a bank, and it was actually a bank that had three little deals on it, and there were three separate areas, and one was, was giving, one was saving, and one was spending. And, and we made them at a certain point, you know, if they had a little bit of money in there, we'd make them bring it up here and put it in the basket. When they had savings at a certain point, all of my kids started savings accounts, and then they could spend the rest. But there's a simpler way. I heard a pastor talking about this. His, his family, they grew up with just jars. They had three jars. One was give, one was save, and one was spend. And, and kids get so excited about giving. And here's the thing. Kids think when, when you're giving them the money anyway... And you say, well, 10 cents of that goes to God. Kids think, is that all he wants? I get to keep nine dimes and he wants 10? He wants one dime, 10 cents? Wow, God is good. And as adults, we forget that, don't we? That every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And so when you get on God's plan, you're going to to be able to fund your future. You're going to be able to fund the kingdom of God. You're going to get rid of stress. Because God wants something for you, not something from you. And isn't that what you would expect from a God who wants us to call Him Heavenly Father? He's a good dad. And He's promised to meet your needs if you'll follow His plan. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I cannot thank You enough for the way You have provided for me personally. Throughout my whole life, but 30 years of ministry, 21 years of marriage, God, when we had kids and that were little and didn't know where money was going to come from, you were always faithful. Father, it's my prayer that, that you would penetrate the hearts of your people today. I don't need to convince them of anything, but I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict them of your truth. And then whatever happens, happens. God, I want to be faithful with money. I want to be faithful with time. I want to be faithful with my relationships so that when I stand before you and you you look at my life, you can be a father who's proud of me. Help us to be long-sighted, not short-sighted. And help us to do things your way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take your registration cards if you would? Fill those out for me. And then I always ask you to write something on the back. And so today is one of the decisions. You can write all four, but I don't believe you if you write, oh, I'm gonna do them all. At least pick one and and write it down. Are you gonna choose a percentage of income on which to live? Are you gonna track your spending? Are you gonna get rid of dumb debt? You're going to give first, save second, and live on the rest. Write that on the back. If you have prayer concerns, put that on there. Pray through those throughout the week. We have three baskets at the back. One is our joy basket. That's where we give our tithes and our offerings that go to fund the ministries of the church. Second basket is our registration card basket. Be sure, I love it when you guys write down praise reports on there. Some of you will write prayer concerns, and then a few weeks later you'll say, hey, God answered the prayer. I love that. It it gives me energy when I'm praying to see uh, what's going on in your life. So be sure and tell me the good stuff too. And then the third basket is our bagel basket. We've been convicted by God that we need to get out of debt as quickly as possible. And, and be ready for whatever God has next in the future. So everything that goes in there helps pay off the debt of the church. I think we're around $77,000 that the church still owes. We want to get out of debt, and we don't ever want to go in debt again as a church. So um, everything goes in there goes to debt. All right, it is time for small group lunch. If you're interested in that, please stay with us. You're dismissed.